What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In These Quarantines. And I remain your friendly neighborhood host, Juggernaut. And thankfully, um, today's another Tuesday, exactly a week from, from last week or seven days from last week. Like I said, I try to, I'm going to try to be more consistent with this uh, form of recording. Uh, my, Tuesdays, my Tuesdays are very free, and I think I can be more consistent with this one. So, but let's jump right in, though. Um, of course, due to the ongoing strike, we don't really see. Or have much more um what do you call it movie news we are mostly bombarded with movie and um, news related to the strike unfortunately so i'm going to talk a bit on the strike now i'm not going to lie to you i've done a, little, a lot of research on the strike but i don't even still think i'm well equipped to fully talk on it and i don't really have know anybody that is working currently in you know in hollywood or in the uh you know in, in that aspect that regard to give more details so i'm just going to talk based on the things i've read and what's my own opinions of course opinions are subject to change over time when you read more or learn more stuff yeah so right off the bat actually um this is something that actually bummed me out a little bit because um dune was one of my favorite movies of the year it came out i really enjoyed the movie i'm still reading the book right now i'm hoping to finish it before the end of this year anyway <laughs> yeah because I really find it hard in my schedule to read as I used to be. But yeah, so I was really excited for Dune 2. Of course, Dennis Villeneuve, one of my current favorite, I think my top five favorite modern directors of all time, is really, really good. All his movies have been a slam dunk for me so far. So I'm looking forward to the sequel. But unfortunately, we've got unfortunate news that the movie now has been moved to next year. That is March 14, 2024, which really bums me out. And the reason, according to the studios, is because, uh, or the reason is because of the ongoing strike and the fact that studios continue to refuse to pay actors and, and writers fairly, which is really unfortunate. You know, um, for a lot of these blockbusters, movies usually studios make a lot of money, and it's kind of unfortunate that you know a lot of these. Um, other people, not just the workers, not just the writers and even the actors now. You have hair and makeup, you have VFX, you have cinematographers, you have... I mean, of course, deals deviate or change depending from left to right, but it's just unfortunate that we don't get... They already don't get the, their due conversations and studios try to cheat them out of it. I remember um, a cast member from, I believe, um, um, the Hilary Dove show. I think it was Hilary Dove, Lizzie McGuire, I think posted a screenshot of an image of a check they received i think the check was for like 16 cents or something like as, as royalties payment which which is just insulting like the check itself costs more than the payment on the check and i really hope they come to a very good compromise and you know a good deal because yeah i've hired myself i've been an, i've been an extra in some movies and i know how grueling the work can be yes granted you know it's on the same level setting other actors and performers and whatever but you know it's is inherent in our nature for people to want to cheat others especially when they see an, 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 a loophole to exploit yeah so this bonds me out me i was really looking forward to doing this year um look for i'm gonna try and rewatch i've only I've watched the first one twice i'm gonna probably watch the gonna finish the, the, the novel um we're looking forward to it of course uh oppenheimer is still doing major numbers um barbie right now surpassed super mario which is incredible oppenheimer has, has surpassed deadpool one and deadpool two as the um, the highest grossing r-rated movie which if you told me that uh, <laughs> the three hour r-rated biopic you know about the atomic bomb or the creation of the atomic bomb was going to surpass deadpool the both deadpool movies i would say you know you're, you're crazy but here we are and it's doing amazingly well unfortunately i've still not gotten a chance to see um because it's not showing in my city 
and I've not had time to just go to another city to watch the movie to be honest. But um yeah, it's it's crazy to see how far this thing has come and I mean Barbie itself too. So I think I believe is the um I think that surpassed Mario domestically, I don't know about globally, but I, I think so, yeah. And it has come to go probably shut up to number one or number two was the most popular movie for twenty twenty three, which is just crazy, man. Like I Seriously, studios need to emphasize so much on marketing. Barbenheimer, even though Barbenheimer wasn't really the plan, it was more like something that was born out of, you know, social media and uh, fans and what have you. But you have to credit Barbie's marketing and the way the Oppenheimer was, from what I hear, is a good movie on its own, regardless. But I'm pretty sure Nolan and even even Universal didn't expect the movie to make over 700 million. And it's impressive to see how both movies benefited from each other. So I'm really hoping. Hollywood learns from this because if I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and I forgot, I totally forgot that Wheel of Time is dropping this week, I think. Like, how do you, how does Amazon bug? Like, streaming services are getting so annoying right nowadays. Like, I know this, this is the thing, they produce too much content, so they don't have time to spread across all, you know, functions of our marketing and stuff. But certain tempo projects, like something like Wheel of Time, I remember Wheel of Time season one, obviously had good marketing behind it. I mean, considerable marketing anyway. And as season two is dropping, I remember, I think I saw one or two trailers. But anyway, um, it's crazy. Marketing is a very important part. And marketing should be done in tandem, in tandem with even the producers of the movie too, so that they can be on the same page. But at times, you get marketing done by, of course, usually done by a uh, third party. But they do it based on what they are given, and they don't work in tandem with the, with the probably with the idea or the goals in mind of the producers. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, so, Central Casting, which is one of the biggest uh, websites used by background actors to get work, now requires users to sign away their likeness to be used in any medium without permission. If the user doesn't sign it, they can't apply for any jobs on the website. Now, this is crazy to say the least um now like i said i've worked as an as a bag, um, background extra before in europe uh i worked on sh- shows like uh marco polo tyrant i did movies like uh that had five uh, don't breathe so i was just an extra like literally background extra you know but i'm not gonna lie to you as a student those were pretty nice payments i remember getting 50 euros per, per day for work 40 to 50 euros depending on and then if you work over time you get like uh is it like five euros per hour or 10 euros per hour if i remember correctly but my point is this background work is an is a vital part of an of an aspiring actor because you know it's like when you enter a new career you start from the from the bottom you know because you have to work your way up you know unless you know nepotism <laughs> but the point is a lot of big actors right now worked as background actors people forget that uh, uh jennifer lawrence was like she, i remember she was in one of these police procedures where she wasn't in, in like in the mascot so i first even show you know you have lawrence fishbone uh, samuel jackson chris pratt a lot of guys are just appeared as background extras in movies before. I mean, hell, Sophia Bittella was, she's a renowned dancer and she was one of Usher's music videos and things like that. So to actually demand their likeness to be used in perpetuity without paying paying the extras does them a huge disservice, okay? Because then you do one day's work, you get paid for one day and then your likeness is used forever. And then your likeness could not be used in questionable ways that you don't feel comfortable about, you know? Cause if you are getting paid to do a nude scene, for example, because you know you are paying paid to do it, to give consent, there's a different case from seeing a digital representation of yourself in the nude. And then, you know, it's just unfortunate, man, how studios are trying to fuck everyone over 
with this AI stuff and it's not the fault of the AI. AI is a great tool. Look, I, I'm a writer myself. I do a lot of article writing, freelance writing, and AI does wonders for me to help me structure my sentences well and things like that. But the abuse of it, the over-reliance over of it is just black mirror level. So it's really unfortunate to see how things have devolved into this. Then still talking on, on payments and residuals and things like that. Um, Netflix has agreed to pay creatives in Germany additional royalties based on the number of streams made by the series on the platform. Which is really good news. Yet in the US, Netflix and other studios still refuse to give proper streaming residuals to actors and writers. Now, um, of course, the, the case about residuals, um, I've listened to a lot of debates from both sides and I can understand a little bit from the other side, from the studio's point of view. Because the way residuals works during the time of cable network is different from streaming network. Because during cable, due to syndication, you know, repeats, replays, and ad revenue, you could always pay uh, people like the character, like the, for example, the cast of Friends and Big Bang Theory and what have you. Because every time the movie or whatever is reshown, they get the TV show. It's probably you know being bought by someone or it's being used to generate ads and stuff like that. Of course, with streaming is a bit different. But, you know, because streaming is relatively near, everyone's trying to figure things out. There should still be um, a space to open up for them to be able to pay royalties as well. Because, first of all, a lot of streaming services like Netflix don't give out their, um, what do you call it, their, rate, their viewership ratings, right? Their viewership um, numbers and things like that. So that makes it very tricky. But I really think that they should do that and find a way to compensate actors you know, compensate a lot of these performers on set because, like, like you said, this is something on the streaming service, and I, I know that understandably so because a lot of streaming sites don't have ads apart from I think Hulu and, and maybe Netflix in some, in some regions. So when whenever someone plays a movie, even if they play it 14 times or 70 times, um, Netflix doesn't get an extra money for that. Unlike when it's on cable, where or or when it's on 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 VOD or we are buying it from Apple, Apple, uh, you know, from from Amazon or Apple or whatever. We are buying or renting because every time the person clicks on it, they're gonna pay money. So, residual can be given to the performance. Regardless, I still think there should be a common ground to kind of um, explain, come to. I don't know, just find a way to look. I'm not an economist. I'm not a financial, um, a film economist, so I can't go into details. But I just believe that each a, a performer shouldn't be. Uh, shouldn't have their work, you know, shown over and over without them getting this form of conversation. Now, I'm pretty sure they're still working out, working out the kinks between the IRC and, uh, sorry, sorry, the, I mean the WJ and, and what have you. But I really hope they come to very good uh, compromise. Then moving forward, and this one actually excites me a bit more. Um, Disney VFX workers are voting to unionize over eighty percent of Disney in-house VFX. VFX members have officially signaled their desire to unionize. This gives me so much joy because I know I have a couple of friends that are actually digital artists that work on movie VFX. They work in some of the biggest VFX country and VFX companies in the world. And just unfortunately, how the VFX industry is one of the most kind of underappreciated and looked down upon industries. Because the first thing we understand is, unfortunately. I mean, it's prevalent in a lot of the movies we've seen nowadays. I told you, I like The Flash, but the VFX was atrocious. Um, you have even some of the more recent movies, like Ant-Man the Wasp, and so Ant-Man Quantum Minium had 
questionable VFX some scenes. You have things like um, uh, the Disney Plus TV series like Ahsoka and even um, Obi Wan specifically, where you have like you can notice some of the VFX things in, in the behind and what have you. And this reason is simple: is because there was never uh, a, a structure or a union for the VFX compared on like the writers, directors, you know, right uh, actors and what have you. And the problem is this: they mostly underbid themselves. So. If Marvel goes to a VFX company requiring a certain number of you know um, shots, and then the company is demanding, let's just give an example, ballpark example, ten thousand dollars, right? Marvel can then decide to go to another VFX company and tell and you know offer them the same job but demanding it thousand dollars. And that VFX company, unfortunately, because they are trying to also kind of stay relevant and because you know Marvel is a big, this is a big entity. They want to, you know, kind of hopefully use that to boost their name. I'm gonna work, take that job, even though ten thousand dollars is like the best amount to make it, you know, viable or profitable for them. So they're gonna work at that job at a loss, and uh, probably even going go bankrupt, which was the case with Life of Pi. Uh, Rhythmic, I think Rhythm and Hughes was the name of the VFX company that did the job on, on Life of Pi. That won, they won an Academy Award for it, and unfortunately, she went under. She went bankrupt because of how much the toll of the job, and which is kind of unfortunate. I mean. You see something she hawk recently too. Such atrocious um, VFX in a lot of sense because the VFX artists are not giving enough time. The pipeline uh, is, is very is truncated. Almost everyone is doing the same job on building themselves. There's no there's no baseline on like how in, in um, the, the, for the saga stratas the screen uh, screen actors guild. There's like a fi- uh, fixed amount that an actor must collect as payment. You can't collect like you can't collect below it basically. Think of it like uh, um, what do you call this thing? Yeah, think of it like uh, the, the lowest payment you can receive. So I'm really happy to hear that this is actually at least there's there's action taken to kind of unionize the VFX industry because they, they need it. They need it desperately, man. People don't understand how grueling and demanding VFX can be. There's some there's some shots you see that you just you know it happens in a second, but can take months to to execute. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that you know uh, mm-hmm. things are working out working out for them. To be honest, yeah. Then I think that's all I can. That's all for the major behind the scenes stories and stuff like that. Uh, but let me just talk about some of the upcoming projects coming up. Uh, like I said, we don't really have much because of any projects we're hearing talking about now is a project that's already been in the pipeline before the, the strikes. First one is Chris Hemsworth and Peter Pascal will star in, in, in the movie titled Crime 101, which is an adaptation of Don Wieslow's novel, which is described as being kind of the similar vein uh, as Heat. Of course, Heat was a popular crime drama starring Al Pacino and um, Robert De Niro, um, directed by Michael Mann, which is incredible. Yeah. So Amazon and Netflix are partly for the rights to this film, which is poof. I mean, look. Where it goes to, I, I hope the movie is good. You know, um, Netflix, in my opinion, has done way better in TV shows about movies. Amazon too was kind of been a mix for me. I think they do pretty good shows and some good TV movies, but both have dropped the bag occasionally. And I really hope the project comes out really, really well because it sounds really intriguing. Then lastly, we got a trailer for the um, upcoming Netflix movie called Reptile, which stars Benicio del Toro and Justin Timberlake, and it looks really, really intriguing, man. It's like a crime drama. Uh, who donates each person at their, their perspective and whatever, and it just seems really ridiculous. To, to um, it's not ridiculous, rather, it seems really incredible because Benicio Del Toro is an underrated actor, in my opinion. Man, he was man. If you have not seen Sicario, 
you have to check out Sicario, man. The dude is so good. Snatch 2, one of my favorite comedies of all time. And just about the those actors that I actually believe... I don't think he's a great actor. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, he has done some nice roles, done some nice performances, like in um, Shawn Network. Uh, in Time was actually cool. In Time was a movie that his concept was greater than his execution. But long story short, I think Timbalik is actually a great entertainer. All his skits, all his time on Saturday Night Live has always been incredible. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him take on this kind of dramatic role. Um, oh, a nice shout out to Insale Davis. He was pretty good in that as well. But anyway, that's all the time I have today, guys. Thanks for tuning in as always. Um, like I said, watch the KB more consistent every Tuesdays for now. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. And as always, guys, stay safe and stay tuned. Mm-hmm.